What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Hamburglar, the time is yours. Bravo, bravo. He said, these are McDonald's best burgers ever. And then, can I keep them? And then he just grabbed them and ran away. Brabble. Now get a Big Mac or double cheeseburger for two bucks in the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Must opt into rewards. Visit McD app for details. Available at most restaurants in this area. Comparison of McDonald's classic burgers to prior burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. It's a Sunday night. Programming note. <clears throat> Excuse me. Going to be... Uh, Headed to Knoxville on Monday, and uh, we will be leaving out, flying out to San Diego. You say, Steve, why would you fly to Knoxville? Well, the schedule's pretty tight. The initial plan was to fly back to Knoxville, then drive to Columbia. Uh, but the wife's finishing up uh, last couple shifts of her contract up there, so we're just going to fly from there. It's just easier, from, you know, instead of us both flying from two different places. Plus, it gives me an extra day to kind of hang with the wife. But uh, So, yeah, I'm recording Sunday night. I needed about 24 hours to kind of process some of this. I'm, I'm not happy. I'm not going to sit here and have a pity party with you guys either, but I'm not happy. I know you're not happy, and so we're going to talk about that today. I'm not ready to give up either, but uh, there are obviously some glaring issues with our football program. And you say, Steve, it's just one loss. So that's true. It is true. And it's silly that so many people have come out with the pitchforks after a loss that we expected to have. But it's not that we lost. It's how we lost that has me upset. And I'm sure that's the case with many of you. Losing is part of competition. You never know. From one game to the next, you're going to win, you're going to lose. That's part of the joy of uh, rooting for a program like Mississippi State. It's also the misery sometimes of rooting for a program like Mississippi State. Uh, But, yeah, we didn't play well. And uh, really in any aspect, I, I would say the offense worse than the defense, but the defense had some glaring problems too. The offense couldn't carry their side of the deal in the first half. I know the defense probably wore down a little bit, got a little mental tired, but the reality of it is, is a more talented team came to Davis Wade Stadium and won going away. And it's the first time we've been really embarrassed by OSU in a while. I think that was one of the things we thought maybe we had graduated. I think some of our fans, too, had kind of deluded themselves a little bit because of how poorly LSU played in the second half against Florida State. I would ask that you use that same level of judgment about your football team you do about LSU. I think now we know that one half football against Florida State is not truly indicative of who LSU is. And LSU's obviously improved a little bit since then. They score on 10 offensive drives, first 10 against Grambling, as they should. But I don't care if you're throwing against air. You score 10 consecutive drives, it's still pretty impressive. And they came up here and really took control of the ball game from the beginning. We had some chances to get off the field. We didn't do it. And give Jaden Daniels and the LSU coaching staff a lot of credit. They came in here with a good game plan. They executed and they won. They left no doubt about who the better team was. And uh, there they are thinking, okay, we've righted the ship, and now we're thinking, you know what, what do we have? They say, well, Steve, we're in a bad spot. And maybe we are. And we're going to be very honest and forthright and frank about that. Uh, I'm probably going to say some things you don't like. I'm going to say some things you do. 
And there are going to be some people out there. I've learned this. Guys, I've been doing this for 26 years. I've been writing about Mississippi State for 26 years. And here's the thing that I have learned. There are some fans, no matter how negative or realistic or pessimistic, whatever you want to call it, because I've never met a pessimist that didn't fashion themselves to be a realist and more times than not, they're not. That's just what they say to make themselves feel better. But there are some people, no matter what you say, they're not going to be satisfied unless, and I wrote this on Gene's page, they're not going to be satisfied unless we just disband the football program, bulldoze the stadium, and close the campus. They're not going to be happy because they are prisoners of the moment. And I'm feeling bad, so you know what? I'm, I'm done with all this, right? And so there'll be people today, I'll say some things today, and then I'll get 20 messages from people that say, Steve, I thought you were spot on. I'll get five from people that say, Steve, I thought you were too hard. And then I'll get a half dozen or so from people that say, why don't you ever just call it like it is? I do call it like it is. I call it the way that I see it. And so I appreciate you listening to the show. But uh, if you saw my post-game wrap-up video with Dave Murray, I'm not happy. And I don't think anybody at this point connected to Mississippi State football is happy. And you say, Steve, it's just three games into the season. And I know. I know. But it's just because of the fact we had a couple of hints along the way that maybe things weren't quite as we needed them to be. And we got completely exposed by LSU. And you look up the road there and you say, you know what, hey, Ole Miss, you know, tough ball game against Tulane. They won that game even though it was a backup quarterback for Tulane. There are some of our fans that are already mentally playing the Egg Bowl in their minds, thinking we're going to lose that game. Guys, that game doesn't happen for over two months from now. It's part of the journey. It's not a destination. So don't obsess about what's happening because they're going to play Alabama this week in Tuscaloosa, and I think it's going to be a pretty motivated and aggravated Alabama team. And then we'll see, you know. The game will be competitive. Go ahead and get ready. Go ahead and clutch your pearls. That's going to be ready for that. But the reality of it is, and I've said that I think three times already if you're, if you're drinking from home, is that uh, it is one game. It wasn't a great game by any stretch of the imagination. You better believe that every Bulldog opponent is going to break that LSU film down. They're going to see the things we did well, the things we didn't. There's a lot more of those, and they're going to attack them until we prove that we can stop them. That's how, that's how competition is. Once somebody discovers a weakness, they seek to exploit it until you remove it as a weakness. That's how it works. We exposed ourselves. LSU exposed a little bit more. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show, man. Love them. Absolutely love them. I'm sure they had a big weekend. A lot of you coming up trying to enjoy the full Starkville experience, which is somewhat incomplete. If you don't go by Bulldog Burger Company and get those spring rolls, and I can tell you, uh, by the look of some of our fans on Saturday, I think you need some, right? I'm just going to say it for what it is. A lot of ugly faces after that ball game, and I can't blame you. So go refresh yourself at Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Guys are going to have some tap takeover some time and time. Be, be mindful of that. Going to have some live music over there in Tupelo. Uh, it's a great place. It's a great place to go have a meal with family or with friends, a business dinner, whatever you want, man. You can get there. Get that great restaurant quality hamburger. Get that chocolate shake to go. Maybe at lunch you don't want to eat quite as robust. Maybe you have that BLT salad. I like it grilled. You may like it fried. 
But uh, I love it either way. The portion's so substantial, I rarely ever finish. I mean, that's just kind of putting it out there for you. Lately, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, lately when I get the Mississippi barbecue burger, I get the onion rings. And I know, I get it. Steve, you're so anti-onion. I am. I, I really am. But I, I like onion rings. And I know that makes me a riddle wrapped inside of an enigma. I get it. I get it. But I enjoy their onion rings. I do. And they have that little uh, comeback sauce you can dip them in. It, uh, it's quite the deal, man. Go by and check out Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's get to this dog of a game here. Times like these, man. Times like these. All right, so we win the toss and like to go on offense. I'm going to tell you, ride to shoot. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I always like to defer, especially in a game where uh, I think that maybe I'm the least talented team. I know there's some games I want to go on offense first if I want to set a tone. But I would say 90% of the time I'm in favor of deferring because you never know what's going to happen over the course of that first half. Getting the ball first in the second half, to me, is gives you a competitive advantage. That's just my opinion. I didn't like it. Now, what I thought was is, hey, okay, hey, we, I've been hearing all week that we, you know, we come out and run some air raid concepts. I'm thinking, you know what, let's go punch these guys in the mouth. Okay, we'll spread them out. They'll be confused or think we're going to run a bunch of halfback off tackle. And we'll go out there. We'll go four and five wides, go no huddle, go down the field and score it. Get the crowd in the ball game. Let's go. Very first snap is exactly what we do. We go out there in a traditional air raid formation, and it's complete basically the little curl route to Justin Robinson. We get first down. It's almost like you could see Austin Williams out there. Right? That's in your mind's eye. That's what you saw. The rest of this drive, nothing good happened. Nothing. First and 10 at our 37. We run off left side for nothing. Nothing. They were incomplete to Jordan Mosley. Now, Savion Jones in his face, too. I mean, and let's just be honest. From the outset, LSU's the one that made the statement here. Came out here and said, you know what? You guys can't block us. And if you can't block us, you can't run your offense. And if you can't block us, you can't run the football. And if you try to pass it, we're going to get in your face and sack a quarterback. They let us know pretty early. That's what's going to happen. Uh, third and ten, we're incomplete to Antonio Harmon. We had some deals here, some option route stuff, where the receivers read one coverage. Will read another. We weren't on the same page. And it really, really looked bad. And it shouldn't happen three games into the year. If this, this happened against Southeastern, you'd say, okay. And there's a part of me, too, even on this drive, I said, okay, maybe we're a little bit too keyed up. We'll settle. We didn't. And uh, we get the, uh, the, the personal foul here. They, they called it offsetting. And, yeah, we were both involved here. I thought the referee was late throwing the flag. Though. Not that this penalty mattered. But uh, the LSU guy was the aggressor. We respond. We both get flagged. At the end of the day, I think offsetting penalties are stupid. So, I mean, somebody causes the incident, right? It's one thing if, you know, two guys lunge at each other simultaneously. But when there is an aggressor in it, flag the guy that started the problem. Don't flag the guy defending himself. All right, Keelan Kremens, 46-yard punt. And he may have been the MVP, him or Tulu Griffin, right? And, and the fact that we're even – Highlighting a punter on the very first drive says a lot about how our day went. LSU takes over at their 17-yard line. Immediately gets a false start, and I'm thinking, hey, maybe they're not ready to play. We talked about that, right? I mean, they had two 11 o'clock games last year. They were very lethargic, struggled in the first half of those games. Here we go, first and 15. Jaden Daniels gets flushed. You know, we're covering up, and he has to escape and gets out of bounds five yards. I'm thinking, hey, maybe we're ready and they're not. At least the defense seems to be ready to play. On second and 10, they get to Logan Diggs for eight. 
Third and two, a chance for us to get off the field here. We don't. It's complete to Logan Diggs for 16. If memory serves me correct, he was wide open. Uh, first and 10, Jaden Daniels, again, drops back the pass. Not much there. Maybe this was a zone read play. They did run some zone read stuff. And so we get seven, and then on top of that, we get a face mask penalty, and it was legit. Now all of a sudden, we go that this has been a nothing drive, right? We've already, ha- we've already put them in a situation, put them behind the chains. We get them in a third and short. Uh, we have to flush the quarterback. I mean, continuity on offense wasn't present yet. And then you look up, but they're at our at our forty one yard line. Can't get out the field on third down, and then you get commit a fifteen yard penalty that really gives them a chance to, uh, you know, to get in bonus territory right out of the gate. They're in plus territory on the first drive, and really hadn't done much. All right, first and ten, they swing it out to John Emery. We're all over this to Carlos Nicholson starting the ball game. I actually saw the Carlos at Walmart after the game. Thought he played well. Uh, one of the few. But swings it out there, and DeCarlos eats it up for a three-yard loss. So once again, we've got them behind the chains. So it's another second-long situation. You're thinking, okay, let's just kind of play some cloud and keep everybody underneath. Uh, they swing it out to, to Mac Markway, and he gets five. Now it's a third and eight. Again, a chance for us to get off field. Great play here, right? They get it to Malik Neighbors across the middle. We ride him down. Makes a fourth and two. And here you are, you're thinking, okay, here is the statement play. Again, here they are already across the 30-yard line. But it seems like, again, a lot of this drive has kind of been aided by our own miscues. You get a big stop here. You get the crowd in the ball game. It kind of serves the same thing as that big offensive possession. You, you kind of This is them kind of saying, hey, you know what, we're going to make a statement here. And they do. Fourth and two, I think we're expecting the run. Uh, they get it to Malik Neighbors for five, who had a huge day. If it hadn't been for his quarterback, he'd probably be the SEC Offensive Player of the Week. You best believe it's going to be Jaden Daniels. Set an SEC record for completions. Crazy. All right, uh, Jaden Daniels in on first and ten. Uh, goes back to Malik Neighbors for nine. And Neighbors said at the beginning of the week that they thought they saw some holes in the Bulldog defense they'd be able to exploit. They did. Second one is complete to Chris Hilton. Thought we did a pretty good job against Chris. Chris is a burner. Uh, pretty good job of kind of keeping him kind of underneath there. But uh, here he moves to James. First and 10 now. Complete to Malik Neighbors again. And, and at this point I'm thinking, hey, we probably need to guard eight. He appears to be a focal point of the offense. All right, second and eight. They finally run the football again. Logan Diggs for six. Again, third and two. Brings up a third and two here. Hey, we're good. Let's make a play. And what do we do? We stack it up. They get a one-yard gain. Logan Diggs for one. Brings up fourth and one. They're going to go. They're going to go. They're going to go. False start. No decision to be made here. They kick a field goal. It feels like a win at this point. It feels like a win. And, again, you know, State had a chance here to get off the field multiple times. We couldn't get it done. But we do limit for a field goal or anything. Okay, we're good. Uh, then Nathan Dilbert kicks off. We talk, I told you guys we're going to have a chance to return some. He has not been a guy that has consistently put the ball in the end zone. He did a few times. So we did have a chance to return some. What do we do? A Tulu brings it out 39 yards to the MSU 41. You think, okay, here we go. Here we go. Great field position. We're at least going to go tie this ball game, give our defense a chance to rest. That's not what we did. We didn't. Very first play, sack. Sack. Seven yards. Second 17. Now, the drive is already over. The drive is already over because now we are in <laughs> behind the chains by seven yards. We're in obvious passing downs. We're trying to go make something happen. And uh, 
Just don't have a good thing happen here on first. We're behind the chains. Incomplete to Freddie Roberson. Incomplete to Jaquavius Marks. And uh, some of these, you know, good plays by the defense. I mean, Mason Smith's in Wolf's face here. But uh, we get nothing. We get nothing. We go negative seven. A great kick return is negated by the fact that we do nothing on offense. It is a terrible, terrible drive. And one thing that I'll say, too, a lot of people are very down on Will Rogers. And listen, I get it. Listen, I love Will. I do. I understand that Will has limitations. We all do. We all do. Uh, we've had some great running quarterbacks in the past that struggled to throw for 50-55% completion rate, right? There's a lot of guys out there that can run it well, that can't throw it. There's a lot of guys that can throw it well and can't run it. And sometimes you need a combination of both. But there are no perfect quarterbacks out there, period. But some of the things I think we're asking Will to do, you know, it's like, okay, we already know we can't block these guys, right? And so you need three, four seconds, right? And so one of the things that I don't understand, play design on some of this stuff, especially against LSU, right? Because you know the talent they have up front. But especially early on when you're trying to kind of get things established, we run these play action rollouts. And it's like it takes almost two, three seconds for Will to get to the spot, and so we're running this, and again, Will's not a great runner. He's not. But as soon as he gets out there in the rollout, you got tight end getting beat by a defensive end barreling down on Will. Now all of a sudden, if there was a high-low concept, all there is is a low concept. And if that's covered up, we got the that ball away. And so can Will play better? Absolutely. Well, we got to put him in a situation that plays his skill set. All this other stuff that we're doing, all this behind the play, and listen, you know, maybe, maybe in the future, yeah. But these slow developing plays where we have the quarterback handle all this stuff when we haven't established the run, it makes no sense to call that in my estimation, period. It'd be one thing, hey, if we're already running, you know, hey, there are, the linebackers are in conflict, the linebackers are having to pull up on the snap because Woody's going off, and you've got that established, that is – a threat to them, well, then they're going to bite on play action. Nobody's biting on play action until the run's been established. I mean, it's in Madden. I mean, it's just kind of how it is. You've got to go out there and set that stuff up. And I think you got to think about squashing some of that stuff anyway. Any of those things that require will to do, especially against a big front like LSU, and you're probably going to see the same thing against Alabama. Maybe some other teams in the league you can get away with that. But when you've got a team already that's in your face, you cannot call these slow-developing plays that require the quarterback to carry out all these fakes and all this motion. It's not going to work. It's not. That's just as obvious as I can say it. It will not work under those circumstances. You may do that against Arizona. You might do that against Arkansas, maybe even Auburn, maybe Ole Miss. But against LSU, Alabama, Georgia, teams like that, you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to run those slow-developing plays that require Will to carry out all this pre-play action. It's not going to work. I'm just saying it for what it is. All right, 36-yard punt. Not a good one. Probably the one of the worst ones of the day. Not a good one. But Keelan Crimmins, uh, not a good effort, 36 yards uh, to the 30. And he's getting there. He's getting better. LSU takes over at their 30. It is uh, Jaden Daniels complete to Malik Neighbors for 32. Uh, guys, let me say this too. Hunter Washington, I love that kid. I do. He is a squat corner kind of play in safety. Uh, if he ever gets paired up in a vertical route, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a tough assignment for him. It, it just is. He just doesn't have the foot speed to run with a guy like Malik Neighbors. Not everybody does. That's not being critical of Hunter. That guy gives us everything he has. He does. This is not a matchup that's advantageous for him, though. It is for LSU, and they exploited it. 
First and 10, they give it to Diggs, who runs at the middle for eight. And this is when we started kind of getting shoved around a little bit up front, which really is disappointing. Second and two, they get it out to Hilton for four yards. Again, we're kind of keeping him underneath. And then they take the big shot for a touchdown, 26 yards to Malik Neighbors. I don't even remember who was chasing on the play, but it's a 10-0 ball game. And right now, everybody's thinking, you know what? We are not in a good place. But we're only down 10. You think, you know what, we'll figure some things out. They've scored on back-to-back drives. They take a big shot there, and they get us. We'll be better for it. That's what we're hoping. All right, we take over at our 25 um, after the touchback, and um, we give it to Woody. Nothing. And, again, that's not Woody. That's the fact that we're not blocking. We can't move these guys. All right, second and 10, we're incomplete to Justin Robinson. And uh, I thought it was complete in live action. People in the booth disagree with me. When they show that, and I don't know what we're doing with replays in the stadium. They told me after week one, hey, we got it fixed. We don't have it fixed. I I don't know why it's so difficult to get a replay run in the stadium. I don't. Because I travel and I go other places and they get extensive replays in stadium. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to be at media tomorrow to ask, but I don't know what we're doing. But we did get at least one or two looks. It was a little bit obstructed, but it did appear that Justin Robinson had his hands under the football. A great catch by J-Rob. Nine yards. Okay, so it's it's crazy here. Um, we thought we had it, and then they say so we don't. So, yeah, my notes are incorrect. They initially ruled it complete, and then they overturned it. So, third and ten. And this is kind of how they went. And uh, we're trying to get the ball out to Woody. We're rushed. We, we overthrow it. Now it's a 38-yard punt from Andrew Osteen here. Fair catch by Greg Clayton at the 37. Not a great effort. Not a great effort. Guys, when you got that much room to work with, we can't get a punt under 40 yards. And you say, Steve, it's two yards. It doesn't matter. The math just doesn't work. You can't consistently go out there, guys, and, and have 35, 36, 37-yard punts. Can't do it. All right, first and 10 from their 37. Uh, Jaden Daniels complete to Williams for 13, and then Daniels gets flushed and runs right side for four. Uh, incomplete to Mac Markway. Again, what a name. DeMonte Russell in his face here. Brings up a third and six. Okay, chance to get off the field. And they find Brian Thomas for 10 yards. And they really work the middle of the field because we're bringing so much pressure in the A and B gap. We're bringing both backers so it vacates the middle of the field. And they burn us on those crossing routes. Kind of that middle cross there. They got us. Daniels rushes right for two yards. And I'll tell you this, I give Daniels a lot of credit, man. I said last year, the way he runs it, he's got to be careful. He's never going to survive the year. I thought Mississippi State, when they had a chance, they really put some solid licks on Jaden Daniels, and he kept getting up. He did. My hat is off to this kid. It really is. Uh, On second and eight, they swing it out to Brian Thomas for five. That runs out the quarter. So it's 10-0 LSU. After one. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just 
for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, let's get right back to it here. Second quarter. Uh, Daniels runs... Up the middle, and it's a four-yard loss. Great effort here. Bulldogs stack it up, makes it fourth and seven, and instead they go for it. Now, fourth and seven, and I guess because they had worked the middle of the field so successfully, maybe we're biting underneath, but they end up getting Malik neighbors and man-on-man coverage. They lay it up, and, of course, he comes down with it. And at this point, I even wrote in my play-by-play article, here we are, you know, basically two plays into the second quarter. The game's over. The game was over at this point. I think we all felt it. The wind went out of the stadium. The stripe out, my hat's off to everybody that participated. It's the best we've ever done with the stripe out and give the university and marketing and those people for getting doing a good job getting the information out there. We did a good job. I mean, it didn't look like Penn State. It's good. It was. One of the only good things about the day. X points, good, 17-0. Guys, we're less than a minute into the second quarter. The game's over. It's just a matter of what the final score is going to be. And, of course, that wasn't favorable to Mississippi State. All right, first and 10 from our 25 after the touchback. Um, we, uh, we, we, we get it out to Woody, and it's a one-yard loss. Harold Perkins with the play there. Second, 11, we're incomplete to Tulu. Uh, third and 11, we – we're complete to Tulu for eight, and I even thought we should go here, to be honest with you, because, again, the game's over. It's not the football play, and I get it. I mean, but my emotions in the moment, I'm thinking, let's just go for it. I mean, you know, what do we have to lose? If we get beat 55 nothing or 48 nothing, what does it matter, right? But we made the smart play. We didn't go for it. We punted, and nice effort from Keelan Crimmings here, 48 yards. Fair catch to LSU 20. 
LSU sets up shop there and goes right to work. Just under 13 minutes to play in the half. John Emery rushes off left side for three. Uh, Jaden Cromedy, a nice play here. Second and seven is complete to Malik Neighbors for 12. Are you, are you sensing a theme here? Apparently we didn't because we never figured out that we needed to have somebody constantly on eight. And maybe we rush one less and put two on eight. I don't know. Uh, first and ten, John Emery runs again his first game back in a long, long time. Uh, he was suspended the first two games of this year and the entire season last year. So he hasn't played in a long time. But uh, runs for two yards. Second and eight. They get it out to Aaron Anderson. It's a one-yard loss. Nice play by DeMonte Russell. Again, a third and long here. And what do they do? They dial up number eight. They run everybody off, and then they have this late dragging cross, and nobody picks up neighbors. It just really boggles the mind a little bit. And, again, I, I'm not watching film. I'm just watching as I'm – just like you guys. It's like I see everybody getting back deep, recovering and covering it, and next thing you know – Malik Neighbors is wide open in the middle of the field. First and 10, Jaden Daniels complete to Brian Thomas. And then we get the sack here. Uh, Deontay Anderson, who played well, young guy, finally kind of coming into his own. Him and Buki are both uh, credited with half a sack here, eight yards. And then uh, next thing you know, I mean, we, we, we kind of begin to get a little juice here. I thought we kind of started to play with a little bit of an edge. Uh, Jaden decides to run and get off right side. We, we – he gets a nice game. We get a nice lick on him there, but it's called back for holding, makes it third and 23. And uh, they don't run the screen or run the draw. They're going to take a big shot here. And then Jaden Cromedy wins inside, and we get a sack. So all of a sudden, okay, now that we've got a little life, then you start thinking, I mean, if we can go down and get some points here, defense continues to play well. Maybe we figured some things out now. Maybe it took a couple drives for us to figure this out. Maybe we're figuring some things out. Offense did not carry up their end of the deal, period. First and 10, we run this thing to Xavier Thomas, and uh, it wasn't blocked well at all. And, again, I, I, you're not going to run east and west on LSU. Just a, it didn't work that way. They're faster than you. Uh, two yards on the play. Second and eight, we're incomplete to Freddie Roberson. Whit Weeks in the face of one Will Rogers. Third and eight, and Rogers is sacked. It's Makai Wingo doing the honors there. Makes it fourth and fifteen. And that's the thing with Will. We get into obvious passing downs. You go max protect sometimes, whatever you got to do. But uh, against a front like LSU, we, we got beat up. We did. And that, and that just shouldn't happen. With the, the, the senior leadership that we have and the amount of SEC snaps under our belt, the fact that we got pushed around as much as we did on both sides of the line of scrimmage is very concerning. It is. All right, Keegan Cremings, the MVP, 44 yards, and this time 34-yard. Uh, it's fair call at the LSU 34. LSU takes over there with 6.09 to go. They go right to work. It's complete to the Malik Neighbors. Shocker. All the way down into the red zone. First and 10, don't, uh, Logan Diggs runs for seven. They go back to him for four. Briggs a first and goal situation. Jaden Daniels runs right side for six. We get him down short line. Another big hit. A second one, Josh Williams is stoned and stood up. Jet Johnson and Nathan Pickering with a nice play there. Third and one, they go back to the well. I think they just simply just went a hole over. And they get in. It's a touchdown. The extra point's good. It's 24 nothing. And the route is on. Uh, Nathan Dibbert then kicks off. Tulu, again, nice return, 28 yards. Gets it out to the state, 28. You got time here. You got time to go make something happen. Again, the game's over. But you'd like to score. And we do. And – the, the truth of the matter is, this is just kind of a, a great individual effort here. 
We got Woody out there in space off the left side. He's got to make one man miss. He's got a lead blocker out there, and he does. He does make a guy miss, and it's 52 yards. The first thing we've really had to cheer about on offense the entire day. I think before this, I think we had four yards offense. I think. Because we, we kind of toggled back and forth between five and seven. We were in single digits most of the half. Inexcusable, man. Absolutely inexcusable. Uh, so now first and ten, if they're 20, you, you, you can't, you can't not score here. And I love the aggressiveness here. Let's go take a shot. We get it to Antonio Harmon. They credit Hell Perkins with the pass breakup. Uh, the pass wasn't perfect, but Harmon's got to catch this. I, I don't credit Perkins with this at all, period. This is a – he. I mean, Harmon should have caught it. He'll tell you the same. All right, second and 10, Will is sacked for a loss of three yards. And again, it's third and 13. It's, that's the whole game. That's the whole game. We're behind the chains. Third and 13, we get it to Xavion for nine, brings up a fourth and four. We go for it. Rather than kick, we go for it. And it works out for us. Tula Griffin. Uh, very nice catch across the middle there for five yards. Gives us the first down, makes up the first and goal situation. And then uh, we bring Tulu across the formation on a little bit of a jet sweep action. He's into the end zone and scores. Extra point is good. It's 24 to 7 with a minute to play. And you're almost hoping here LSU doesn't decide to go, you know, hey, even though they get the ball first coming out of the half, you start thinking, you know what? They may take a chance here. They didn't. They didn't. Touchback. Uh, Nick Barmira making his Bulldog debut did a really nice job, I thought, uh, the few times we had to kick off. But first and ten, uh, they basically just run the dive here and get three, and then they run it again, they get 13. And uh, so even when they're trying to run a clock out, they put 16 yards of offense up on us. And that gets you into the half 24-7. And the best thing about halftime, man, was the uh, Muscadon Ripple ice cream that I took care of. And uh, I can tell you, man, it was not, not a festive atmosphere in that neck of the woods, I can promise you. A lot of people looked around saying, you know what? Wasn't expecting this. Thought we might lose. Didn't think we'd get embarrassed. Well, we did. Let's go quickly here through the second half. Uh, again, LSU takes over after the touchback. Nick Barmira, again, you know, hey, happy to have him back. Uh, first and 10 from the 25, Diggs runs for one. It's complete then to Brian Thomas for seven. Makes it a third and two. We can't get off the field. They just run it right the middle here. Uh, eight yards for the first down. First and ten, they go back to Diggs for five. Back to Diggs for one, makes it third and four. Uh, Daniels is then complete to Brian Thomas for 19, and, and then they flag us for holding, right? D-Cam held him getting out of the break. He still caught the ball anyway. That's the thing. If you're going to hold, don't let him catch it. So, again, third down, we can't get off field. First and ten, Jaden Daniels runs off left side for ten. Emory then runs at the middle for two. Daniels incomplete to John Emory. Not a lot of good things associated with John Emory's name in this ballgame. Uh, third and eight, incomplete to Chris Hilton. Nice play here by Marcus Banks, who might be our best defensive back. Uh, fourth and eight, they kick a field goal, and it's good for 41 yards. It's now 27 to seven. State goes to work uh, at our own uh, 25 after the touchback with 10:41 to play in the third quarter. Marks runs off left side for a seven. We're incomplete to Xavion. Uh, third and three, we run it to Woody, and it makes it uh, fourth and one. And you think, well, we got to go. We do, even though it's our own 34. And the game's away from us, right? What do you got to lose? Second half. And then Woody, great job here. Runs hard, carries people, gets the first down. First and 10, we're complete to Xavion for 21 here. And uh, they review it. He had a foot down, but it was a bang-bang play. I, I get why they reviewed it. 
but it was, should not have taken as long as it did. And it, they said the ruling of the field stands. The ruling was confirmed. You shouldn't say it. Stupid. The right foot is down before the left foot touches in the white. It's a pretty, that's why they didn't, they didn't call it incomplete on the field. All right, first and 10, Woody off right side for one, then Will sack for three. And remember, LSU had one sack. It's amazing what a difference Mason Smith makes. Uh, third and 12, we get it out to Justin Robinson for 11. Thought we had the first down, we were told, in post-game. I, you know, I thought he was close, but you know, they, they didn't signal first down. So that's on us. And then lo and behold, it's fourth and one, we get a false start. We go for it anyway. And we're incomplete, Zavion Thomas, and uh, threw in a double coverage here. I didn't like the play call. I do like the decision to go for it because you're kind of in no man's land, and a field goal doesn't help you. The false start is inexcusable. It's part of football, unfortunately. But uh, I thought the worst thing about this sequence was the play call. I mean, there's, you have no chance to complete that. All right, first and 10, LSU takes over to 37. Danielson runs at the middle for 23. And this is when Sean Preston made one of the most beautiful tackles you'll ever see and then was ejected from the ballgame. I know some of you are rules experts. This is not within the spirit of the rule. This is not what we're talking about. This is not what we put targeting in. Jaden Daniels is a competitor. Jaden Daniels is slippery in the open field. Jaden Daniels leaves his feet right here. It's a bit Stevie Lay with the crown of the helmet. Yes. Yeah, how many times does that happen in the course of a ball game? It's not helmet-to-helmet contact. It doesn't have to be just one of the qualifiers. There has to be malicious intent. you got to be uh, forcible contact to the head or shoulder neck area. We didn't have those things. Here's what happened, and I'll tell you exactly what happened. Nobody will confirm this, but this is what I believe. You had a very vicious hit on a quarterback in the open field. The on-the-field crew didn't flag anything. I think the replay official was like, I don't know, man. Ugh. We talk about hitting people in the target area. And so nowadays, basically, this has become an arbitrary thing. My hope is we'll appeal to the league here, and the league will say, you know what? Yeah, this is probably an emotional call. We won't suspend him for a half. We won't know about that, I guess, until Monday or Tuesday. Uh, but we're, we are appealing that decision. But as of now, Sean Preston – is suspended for the first half of the South Carolina game. For now, we hope that's overturned. Can't promise you one way or another. Uh, they do call it targeting, which was absolutely stupid. Absolutely stupid. And uh, so now, all of a sudden, it's at our 25. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Not within the spirit of the rule. First and, 20, first and 10 from our 25, it's uh, complete to Logan Diggs. It's incomplete to Malik Neighbors for one-yard loss, the first time we've had his name associated with any negativity in the game. Third and five, Daniels rushed off nine, uh, off nine, and it's another face mask here. Just one of those things that happens, man, just trying to make a play. Uh, first and five, and Jaden Daniels goes in easily. It is now 34-7 to seven after the ensuing extra point. I won't say that we quit, but we sure didn't do a whole lot down the stretch to help ourselves. Uh, first and ten from our 37 after another great – 35-yard kickoff return from Tula Griffin. We're incomplete to Creed Whittemore. Uh, that ball was knocked down at the line of scrimmage. Second and 10, Tulu runs off right side for one yard. And I don't know, what, you know we're, we're having trouble getting that going. We are. Uh, third and nine, incomplete to Xavier Thomas. And listen, I know that Tulu's got in on that jet sweep, but it seems like there's a lot of end-around stuff we do with him. I don't know if we're telegraphing it or people are just finding something in film study. But nobody, not even southern Louisiana, has been fooled by that. 
Nice punt here by the kid. Keelan Crimmins, your MVP, 50 yards to the LSU 12. They return it 13 yards to the 25. Bryce Pollock on the stop there. Uh, LSU takes over at their 25 with 219 to go in the quarter. Uh, they run no huddle here, and uh, it's a nice, you know, nice completion for nine yards. However, however, holding, back him up, makes it first and 11. Incomplete across the middle of Thomas. Second and 11, Caleb Jackson runs off left side for 13 yards. And it's like just been that kind of day, right? You finally get him back there, can't do anything with it. First and 10, Daniels runs right side for six. Caleb Jackson stopped for no gain. Then it's complete to Malik Neighbors for seven out near midfield. And that's, you know, again, it's just every time on a, every time they needed to play in the passing game, they dialed up eight. They did first and 10 at midfield now. Uh, complete on the right side to Caleb Jackson. Jackson runs at the middle for two, makes it third and two. Jaden Daniels runs off right side. This kind of calls his own number, goes and makes a play. A lot of respect for the kid. Uh, first and ten, it's complete to Brian Thomas for eight. And then it's another face mask penalty. But this time, this time, it's on them. How about that? Will Campbell flagged again. Makes a second and 17. And here you go. You're thinking, okay, we got him behind a chain. Just going to make something happen. They just dial up a shot to Malik Neighbors, man. It's like a handoff with that kid. They just lay it up there. He makes a play. He's down at the one. And they give it uh, – Daniels again calls his number and sneaks in, and it's a touchdown. Extra points good. 41-7, to seven, guys. 12 minutes to go. The rest of this game went by pretty quick because LSU kind of called the dogs off here. Uh, Will Rogers from our 25 uh, swings it out to two loop for one-yard loss. Will runs at the middle. They, they, they caught a run, five yards. Uh, third and 16 now. We get a complete pass to Xavion Thomas. The crowd cheers, and I commend those who stayed and uh, cheered the team on despite some difficult circumstances. Uh, first and 10, we're incomplete to Freddie Roberson. Second and 10, we're incomplete to uh, to Woody. Braden Swenson in Will's face here, third and 10. Pittman runs off right side for four, and we punt. Keelan Crimmins with a 40-yard punt uh, inside the LSU 20 fair caught at the 15. Good drive here by the defense. It's true. Garrett Nussmeyer is your quarterback now. Uh, first and 10 from the 15. It's complete to Brian Thomas for six, and it's incomplete to Hilton. Uh, Jet Johnson in his face there, and then incomplete uh, to Pimpton. Corey Ellington with a nice play, and it's a punt. Jay Bramlett from LSU punts. 37-yard punt, Jay. I'm not your special teams coach, but it's not going to work. But we'll take it. All right, State puts together uh, its last offensive drive of the day. We run Woody off right side for nine. We come back with Tulu for 11, for 14, excuse me, makes it first and 10 at the LSU 35. We're incomplete to Tulu, and then we hit Seth Davis, and this kid needs touches. He does. Uh, he gets 13, first and 10 out of the LSU 22. We're incomplete to Seth. Pittman and runs up the middle for a hard six, makes it third and four. Mike Wright comes in. Uh, Mike, I know a lot of people would like to see more of Mike. I'd like to see more of Mike. I think, I think we're underutilizing Mike. I'm not saying that he needs to start, but I think that he probably deserves a series or two every now and again just to keep people honest. Uh, Mike runs for five yards, gets a first down. Much, much more production on that one play than we got against Arizona because Arizona was selling out completely. That's why you got to throw it a little bit. You got to throw it some to put the linebackers in conflict. You got to make them think. When you run it every single time, they're going to they're gonna just blitz you every time. Just like people finally figured out the Wildcat formation, Right. That's basically what you're doing. You're running. All right, first and 10, Seth Davis runs for three, and then we get it out to Tulu for four. And then on third and three, we find Antonio Harmon uh, for the touchdown. And congratulations, Antonio Harmon. Should have had another one in the ballgame, but uh, good to see him get into the end zone. 
Uh, extra points, good. Makes it 41-14. And from there, LSU just kind of run the clock, runs the clock out. Uh, Noah Kane runs to the middle for nine. Back to him for three. It moves the chains, makes it first and ten. Jackson runs for two. Back again for two, makes it third and six. They get a false start, makes it third and 11. They just run the dive here for three, and then they run the clock out. And uh, that's a ball game. And uh, very, 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 very disappointing ball game. And uh, here's the thing that I'll say. Uh, you know, Zach Arnett got up there and said, you know, we didn't have a good plan. Uh, here's the deal. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm a Zach supporter. I, I just don't like that kind of commentary. I, I know, listen, I get it. We don't want to throw players under the bus. But I think we can skew too far in the other direction and take too much blame here. Players make plays. Coaches have to put players in a position to make plays. Everybody failed. Everybody. The coaches, the coordinators, Zach Arnett, uh, you know, the players, the trainers, everybody involved with Mississippi State football could have done a better job on Saturday and all throughout the week last week. That's their job. Their job is to come up with a good, cohesive game plan that we can execute with the players that are available to us on our roster and uh, go out here and not get beat 41-14. to That's what everybody's paid to do. Simple as that. So I think that that, you know, I know some people didn't like the answer. Some people did. I don't care what people say in press conferences. Just win the game. I don't care if we if we win a game. You can drag a seal up there and do the post game press conference for all I care. I don't just win the game. It doesn't matter what's said afterwards. Now we need, do we need clarification on some situations? Like, hey, what how, coach? What were you thinking here about this play call? Yeah, but as far as like these statements, like on large about. You know, hey, it didn't work out because we didn't prepare enough. I, I don't think that that's the message you want to send. And that's just me. That's just me. And listen, I'm still on the Zach Arnett train. Don't get me wrong. I am 100%. I just don't think that that's helpful. And, and he may disagree. It's his, they're his words, and these are mine. Will Rogers, an abysmal 11 of 28 day. We talked about last week. He was 13 to 17. We knew we were going to throw it more. We didn't realize we'd have to throw it almost exclusively in the second half because we were down so far. But 103 yards. Uh, what's funny is Brian Haydad, early in the year, you know, we do our media poll, and I put initially that I didn't think that Will would break the SEC record, and everybody like I was crazy. And I let him talk me into it. I was, yeah, yeah, I probably missed on that one. I'm, I'm thinking I should have stuck with it. Uh, Mike Wright, one for one, the touchdown to Harmon. It's the long touchdown pass of the day. Will was sacked four times and was hurried several others. Uh, Woody with 75 yards and a loss, and that's and, and surely goes over 100 yards in a competitive game. Tuli runs for 24. Jeff Pittman for 10. Jaden Daniels ran for 64. It doesn't feel like it, does it? But he's 30 of 34 for 361 yards and two touchdowns. We sacked him twice. 30 of 34, and these weren't just checkdowns. That's what's so incredible about this. I mean, they're, they're just dialing up shots. We got work doing secondary, and it's and I think it's worse than we thought. And we got coaches who got to figure it out. Malik Neighbors, 13 catches, 239 yards, and again, he would be your SEC player of the week if Jaden Daniels hadn't set a new SEC record. All right, looking at defense here. Defensively, Jed Johnson, 14 tackles, Buki with 13, DeCarlos with 10. Again, DeCarlos has to start, period. He has to start. He does. Uh, DCAM with eight, Marcus Banks with seven, and uh, Preston with six. And when you've got uh, four guys among your top six tacklers in the uh, secondary, it, it probably means you got beat, right? 
Uh, we talked a little bit about special teams play. Uh, LSU punted twice. We punted seven times. Keelan Crimmins, six punts with an average of 44. That's a step in the right direction. And again, you remember he had the one punt that was much shorter. He gets that one consistent with his average, probably around 45, right? Along a 50. So good game for the, the Australian. And then Tula Griffin, three returns for 102 yards, along of 39. And uh, Nick uh, Barmira, three kickoffs, all three of them touchbacks. So maybe that matters later, you know, in, in a ball game. But I'll tell you, you're never as good as you look in your best game, and you're never as bad as you look uh, in your worst game. But that's the ball game. That's it. I've made my comments known about it. It's unacceptable. And everybody associated with Mississippi State football has got to get it fixed, and it starts today. All right, time for today's top ten list. It's always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Every time I turn around, Blair is texting me or emailing me or sending a carrier pigeon to my home with a note that says, good news about a boneyard loan. Yeah, how cool is that? Either we got a pre-approval or we got a closing or we got, you know, the, the, the approval to close, right? There's always something good. Guys, I'm going to tell you, if you want to get a mortgage done, you want to get a mortgage done? Call Blair, 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. It goes directly to him. That's his personal cell number. That's how committed he is to be in your mortgage guy. He's just going to give you his number. He's not going to make you go through the call center, make you go through a receptionist, nothing like that. You go directly to Blair. You deal directly with Blair. And visit him at CloseWithBlair.com, C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com for all your mortgage needs. Whether you're looking to, uh, to help your young person get some adult credit established and get into a home, and that's a program that Blair can walk you through. Are you looking for a mortgage for yourself? We have a lot of people that say, Steve, I just moved here. I don't know what to do. I don't know anybody. Blair's your guy. That's CloseToBlair.com. All right, top ten list. Bands with two singers. That's rock bands with two singers. Now, when I first put, started putting this thing together, I said, hey, I don't want to do a Fleetwood Mac type thing. I'm trying to use you know, bands that use two singers on the same songs. Because, you know, with Fleetwood Mac, you've got, you know, Lindsey Buckingham, Stevie Nicks, the legendary Stevie Nicks, Christine McVie, God Rest Her Soul. Uh, so I didn't want to do that. However, I did work a couple of bands in here that do kind of that same thing. So I wanted to mention Fleetwood Mac. I'm glad that my kids love Fleetwood Mac. There was a chance here a while back that my wife and I could go see Stevie Nicks. didn't work out. We went and saw Bad Omens the next night at the Signal in Chattanooga, though. So, still getting out and enjoying life. But here we go. Top 10 bands, according to me, with two singers. Number 10, and don't tell Dana, okay? Don't, I'm trusting you guys. It's the Butcher Babies and the great track Monsters Ball. I got a little bit of a thing for Carla Harvey. I'm just going to be honest about it. I do. Kind of my celebrity crush, and uh, she is acquainted with uh, Charlie Bonanti, the drummer from Anthrax. Butcher Babies, I'll tell you, these ladies are not just eye candy. They rock. Be sure and check them out. If you're unfamiliar with them, look them up. Listen to them. The song Monsters Ball, probably the quintessential Butcher Babies song. 
Number nine, a Christian rock band, much different than the Butcher Babies. It's the band Skillet. Two singers on just about every song. You know, it's true. And I would say probably the, the most well-known song from the Christian rock band Skillet, and they've really crossed over. They're, they're kind of accepted in the rock community. is kind of a uh, you know, postmodern alternative rock band. It's, uh, it's, it's Skillet, of course. But the song is Hero. I think that's the way we go. Number eight, a band that I've met. And uh, their first song, the first single, really kind of set a negative connotation for this band. They have fought hard to overcome that, and they have. I Prevail, their first single, the record company decided to release a cover of Taylor Swift's Blank Space. And some people thought, well, these guys aren't really rock. They're doing this uh, Americana stuff, right? They're just kind of covering pop songs, but that's not who they are. I love the album Trauma. It's my favorite album from them and one of my favorite tracks on that album and the, probably the best video. It's got a little rap part on it too. It's a song called uh, Dead on Arrival. So D-O-A, not the Van Halen version, their own track, D-O-A. And the video is just kind of a, a very socially conscious video uh, you know, about violence in America. Number seven, uh, a band that Dan and I got to see at Rocklahoma. Thanks, Mark. It's a Treyu. I don't know that they've been on the show very often. We'll probably do a top 10 list for them here in the next week or two. But it's a Treyu, Becoming the Bull, which is my favorite Treyu song. I love the guitar on it. I love how it ramps up from the very beginning of the show. Uh, these guys really rock. Number six, love these guys too. I don't know that anybody else is out there doing a better job right now in rock music with two singers than Ashes to New. And I think we've done a top 10 list for them. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, I love my wife. And uh, occasionally she'll say things that make me think she loves me too. Yeah. Uh, and one day we're just riding along and Ashes to New comes on. This track comes on. She goes, babe, every time I hear this song, it reminds me of you. And it's funny when she said that. I had always kind of had that same feeling. It's like I've always found this to be a song of inspiration. It's like when you think about from whence I've come... Here I am today, and so many people know my name, pay attention to what I'm doing, and uh, it makes me proud, and sometimes I listen to a song, it almost makes me emotional. It's a great track called My Name, From Ashes to New. A great, great, great song and great message. And it's not just, listen, you don't have to go be a drug addict that goes to jail, right, like me. You don't have to go do all that. You can turn it around right here today and be exactly who and what you wanted to be. All right, number five, we're going to get into some real classic groups here. I just could not get away from including the Eagles. And one of the reasons I didn't have them higher on the list, because some people would say Eagles may be America's greatest rock band. I think there are really three bands uh, that are kind of in contention for that, that title, and the Eagles are one of those three. But it's life in the fast lane. And, and when I was a DJ at, at WCJU in Columbia, Mississippi, uh, I was program director there for a while. We were not allowed to play the song Life in the Fast Lane until after dark because it had a little profanity in it. So we couldn't play it during the day because businesses around town, it's back before we had Muzak and Sirius and commercial free radio. When like it is today, you had to listen to a real radio station. And so you couldn't play songs during the day because local businesses would have you playing through their PA. So we couldn't play anything with profanity in it. 
So Life in the Fast Lane always had to be played after dark. Now I listen to it whenever I want to. All right, number four, even though these guys have lost a member, uh, they've had, you know, mega hits with two different guys singing lead. It's got to be ZZ Top, right? We're going to go with the song that made them famous in many people's eyes, whether it be whether you were a fan of the Fantastics with uh, wrestling back in the day or you were an MTV person that really jumped aboard the ZZ Top bandwagon with the Eliminator album. Everybody knows the great track, Sharp Dressed Man, because every girl is crazy about a sharp-dressed man. It's true. And, that, and, and considering the time that it came out, you know, that's when the, uh, the preps kind of ruled the world. Number three, I could make a case this is number one. I, I, I honestly could. I, I just couldn't pull the trigger on it. But it's Alice in Chains, man. And if, so here's the thing, too. So Lane Staley was originally in a hair metal band called Sleaze. S-L-E-Z-E. They changed the name to Alice in Chains when he merged with Jerry Cantrell's band, whose name escapes me. They, they kept the name Alice in Chains. And it worked. It worked. There are a lot of people today that don't even see the correlation to Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Chains, when you hear that, you think, you know what, that's a band from Seattle. One of the forerunners of grunge. That's important. But we're going with Wood because Lane and Jerry both sang on this one. I remember when this video was out. I remember Dana saying, I just love this band so much because they just jam. And watching them in their videos, you can tell how much they're really into their music. They're not just out there putting on an act, putting on a show. You could tell these guys really believed in what they did. And a lot of the – now, Alice and Chains had three incredible drug addicts in this band. Now, Sean Kenny, his problems are not as well documented as others. He had some issues. But, you know, bass player, star, celebrity rehab, dead. Lane Staley, dead. Jerry Cantrell in recovery now. But many of the words that were written and many of the lyrics on the first three albums were about Jerry's own struggles with addiction and with heroin rather than Lane. As a matter of fact, Jerry wrote most of the lyrics on Facelifted Dirt. And a lot of people equate the Dirt album with Lane's struggles, but it was really more Jerry. Lane was singing Jerry's song, and the song Wood, that's one even to this day, the song is about addiction. You know, Into the Flood again, same old trip it was back then. You know, uh, and then you know, If I Could, Would You, right? Or If I Would, Could You. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, but that's what it's about. It's about, hey, if, if I can kick the habit here. You know, it's about relapse and things of that nature. But uh, it, in my in my estimation, is the best Alice in Chains song ever. I could talk about Alice in Chains extensively. I have a, I have a jar of flies tattoo on my left elbow, in, in case you didn't know. I mean, their band's very important to me. And uh, a lot of it's because in the infancy of, of my recovery, you know, the, the album Dirt, which in many respects is one of the, considered to be like an iconic album in grunge music, I think it kind of transcends the genre, to be honest with you. Number two, you know, Gene and Paul had both done a lot of singing. And uh, back in the day, so did Peter and so did Ace. And so we're going to go, go with that. And we're going to go, we're going to go with Kiss. And uh, had a chance to see Ace play in Tupelo with Alice Cooper here some time ago, me and the homie Sam Denton. And uh, had a great time. It was a great show. And so I wanted to throw Kiss in here because they're not just uh, a bunch of pretty faces. 
we're not going to go Detroit Rock City. We're not going to go rock and roll all night. We're not going to go any of those. We're going to go back to the original Kiss in a song that I think is underappreciated. It's Strutter. Great track. One of my favorite Kiss songs, I almost went with this, is Come On and Love Me. But I'm, I'm, I'm saving that for another, another list here in a couple weeks now. But it's Kiss's Strutter, number two. Number one, though, and I think, I, I don't know that there's a lot of people that can argue against this. I don't know that anybody, anybody, has done the job kind of melding two different genres into one and then changing the game and the direction of music more than Linkin Park. Mike Shinoda, of course, and Chester Bennington. I mean, it's like you, you look at it and, and you couldn't take one without the other. It just works better. The synergy between those two. I don't know if we ever get anything new from Linkin Park. I know there's some more uh, you know, oddities and rarities out there. Of course, Lost was released earlier this year that was amazing. And you wonder how in the world they kept it off the album in the first place. Uh, Shinoda explains that it was just, uh, you know, too much like some other tracks on the album. But uh, great, great song. But we're not going to go there. We're going to go with the classic off the of Hybrid Theory. It's one step closer to the edge, and I'm about to break. Amazing. Amazing. So that's your top ten list for today. If you guys have ideas for the top ten list, reach out let me know. Uh, best way to do that is to go through Roy, the, the keeper of the list, my friend, Roy Samanti. You can find him on all forms of social media and Spotify at Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. The 6-7, of course, his birth year, because he's older than me. It's true. It's true. And you can find me at Scout Steve R. pretty much everywhere you find your social media postings. Uh, we'd love to do your list. Matter of fact, we've got one coming up for later in the week. Uh, if you're looking to go to South Carolina... There, there will be an event. I'm not going to be there. I was originally booked to be there, but unfortunately, we're going to be in California. If, uh, if you're unfamiliar with this, let me see if I can't find this for you real quick here. Real quick, if I can find it. You know how this stuff works. When you need it, you can't find it. But uh, the Alumni Association kind of, I say Alumni Association, the, um, the folks from South Carolina out there have put together an event and I was going to be there. I'm not now, but Ben Bounds is putting this thing together. It is the, it's fan fest at steel hands brewing in Columbia, South Carolina, this Friday, September 22nd, this coming Friday. And uh, going to have some live music there. You're going to be around bulldogs and uh, that's going to run. It says 3 PM to 10 PM. So I guess if you're in the area and not going to the game, then uh, you can check that out too. Going to have some live music there. going to be pretty awesome. Again, that's this Friday, Eastern Time, 4 to 11. And it's free to attend. Open to the public, all ages. Because you know how that is sometimes you travel with the kids. You say, I don't want to be cooped up in a hotel room. I want to get out and go do something. Well, you can go bring everybody uh, to this deal here. So be sure and check that out Friday. I'll remind you guys and then uh, – we're going to have a special South Carolina rock list later this week. I haven't even looked at it yet. Ben Bounds put this thing together for us. And so Ben's going to be a guest picker on our show. And uh, we'll run that uh, on Friday. So that's the current plan. So be sure and uh, check that out next time you're, you're out there. Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. Campus Bookmark, a Starkvillian institution. Nobody is doing a better job. 
selling Mississippi State merchandise, finding unique Mississippi State merchandise, helping you outfit your family, and it's never too early to start thinking about Christmas, then Campus Bookmark. Next time you're in town, go by and check them out. Go see their smiling faces. If you can't, or perhaps game day is not a good shopping day for you, visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet, at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Bondyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's take a look around the Southeastern Conference. You guys know we didn't have a great weekend with the picks. I love chaos in college football, except when it affects us, right? I love for us to just kind of go on and meet expectations, and then everybody else just have a chaotic season. Uh, That appears to be the case. That appears to be the case. Of course, you know our game, 41-14. Missouri with, what, a 61-62 yard field goal to win it, to beat number 15 Kansas State. What a huge win for Eli Drinkwitz. Said beginning of the year, these guys are going to have a tough time getting to a bowl game. That certainly helps. That helps in a big way. Now, the schedule's about to get real for them, but that was a very ambitious home-and-home agreement. And Kansas State and Missouri, I have learned in recent days, don't like each other. So, huge win for Missouri. And strike up the band for the Tigers. Georgia struggled and struggled and struggled. And I think in many respects this might be a good result for Mississippi State as they prepare to go play South Carolina. We joked on the show that it would be great if South Carolina could stay in the game and lose it late. Guys, South Carolina had a 14-3 lead at the break against number one Georgia. And then Georgia completely shuts them down in the second half and really ran the football exceptionally well. That's uh, yeah, it's one of the things we're going to have to do. And Spencer Rattler, of course, uh, you know, some, some big things early in that ball game. But uh, and you start thinking, hey, you know, we're in a good place here. But uh, 21 points in the second half. It was 14-3, to and that's it. That's it for South Carolina. And uh, look at the box score here. Carson Beck didn't even throw a touchdown pass in this ball game. They kind of ran it by committee. Edwards with 118 yards and a touchdown. Bell, a wide receiver on an end around. Uh, nice play for him. Jones also uh, with a nice touchdown run. But, um, yeah, they got things done. They did. And, again, you look up, you, know, you think, man, these guys are doing great. Spencer Rattler, just 22 of 42. Average depth of target was 6.1. 256 yards, a touchdown, a couple of picks. But, uh, you know, Georgia turns it on and gets, gets things taken care of. And, again, I, maybe that takes more out of South Carolina, who is now 1-2. One and two. And anytime you go on the road, it's a difficult deal. But this is South Carolina is one of our contemporaries. We have to go win this game. This is a must win game for Mississippi State. We said, hey, we got to be at least three and two coming out of September. You win this one, you're going to be three and two, unless you just pull something completely out of the hat and beat Alabama, which you don't expect. Now, speaking of Alabama, they struggled against South Florida, win the game 17 to three on the road down there against the Bulls. And you wonder why you're going down there. I learned today that Alabama did not play anybody in the game that was questionable. Anybody was a little bit banged up, they held them out of the ballgame, including two starting offensive linemen. But South Florida kind of controlled the line of scrimmage. And now Alabama will host Ole Miss this weekend. That could be an interesting ballgame. Texas A&M takes care of business 47-3 winners over UL Monroe. And then Florida, the biggest win the Billy Napier era in Florida. They really just kind of took it to Tennessee, 29-16. What is going on with the Tennessee offense? We talked about 
some problems with their offensive line. It's crazy. It's crazy. But Florida jumps up early and then kind of coasts there at the end. There was a little uh, fisticuffs in the post game. You got to wonder if there's not some suspensions coming from that. Kind of a pretty cheap play there. Florida's just trying to run the clock out, and a kid from Tennessee takes a shot. Next thing you know, there's melee on the field, if we can call it a melee. Auburn kind of slept walked through this deal for a while, but they, they do get all, uh, Samford 45-13. Kind of thought that would be the case. I think we're learning something about what it takes out of our kids to fly out west and play and then come back and play. And, and again, you go out there and win against a Power 5 opponent and come back, it's tough to get up, you know. Uh, Vanderbilt's bowl chances take a huge, huge, huge loss here. I thought Vanderbilt would cover. I almost went with UNLV. UNLV wins the game 40-37, and that's probably it for Vandy. I mean, I'm just going to say it for what it is. That's probably it for Vanderbilt. Ole Miss, 48-23 winners over Georgia Tech. And uh, some concern, I guess, against Quinchon Quinchon Judkins. Uh, they have not been able to really get him going. You find out during the ball game he's had some rib injuries and there was it was questionable to play. He decides to play. Uh, they win the game 48-23. It was a game for a while. Georgia Tech drops a couple touchdown passes in the end zone there. Or it would have been more of a game. Uh, but, yeah, Georgia Tech, you know, an improvement over last year with Ole Miss absolutely destroyed him. We felt like Ole Miss would have too many horses to win or to lose, and they do. So now it sets up a big matchup next week in Tuscaloosa against Alabama, a team last year that Ole Miss, a lot of people felt like they should have beat. It goes down to the very end of the game. BYU, 38-31 winners over Arkansas. Didn't see this coming. Not in Fayetteville. Didn't see it coming. That's a ton of points for these two teams. You know, the Arkansas offense has been kind of shaky, but uh, it's 14-all after one. And you look up at the break, and then Arkansas is up a field goal. And from there in the second half, BYU outscores Arkansas 17-7 to win the game 38-31. Big win for BYU. K.J. Jefferson, 24 of 35 for 247 yards, a pick and a touchdown. Uh, they run it you know, by committee here and still don't know what's going on with Rocket. Just don't know. K.J., 13 carries for 21 yards. Without Rocket, people are going to key on K.J. They are. And I said all year long that K.J., they're going to go as far as he can carry him. This is not a good development for, for Arkansas by any stretch of the imagination. This is not a good development when you look at their schedule. And, uh, yeah, they're 2-1, and one, just like we are. BYU's undefeated now, 3-0. and oh. But this is one of those ones that I was counting for Arkansas to get to 7. Uh, Joe Moorhead lets me down again. I picked Kentucky to win and Akron to cover. It looked for a while like they may do it. Kentucky ends up winning 35-3. to three. So, 32 points and they cover with change. So, uh, Frommer's going to stay on top in the picks and your good friend and host probably going to drop down a little bit again. But uh, – I think most people picked uh, Kansas State to win. Uh, Georgia doesn't cover, you know, so Alabama doesn't cover. There was a lot of teams that won that didn't cover, and there were some upsets in the league too. So, again, I love chaos when it doesn't involve us. And, uh, you know, we got our own problems to deal with. Simple as that. We we have our own problems to deal with. Take a quick look ahead at um, week four. Real, real quickly. Real quickly, uh, Auburn is at A&M. 
That should be an interesting game. Kentucky is at Vanderbilt, Ole Miss at Alabama, Texas San Antonio at Tennessee, Arkansas at LSU, Charlotte at Florida, UAB at Georgia, Memphis at Missouri, and, of course, Mississippi State at South Carolina. Let's take a quick look at the early lines. We're going to open up with uh, A&M and Auburn here. A&M, the early line, 7.5. Some books have it at 8. So more than a touchdown favorite against Auburn. Kentucky and Vanderbilt, no line has been established there, but I think you got to like Kentucky, right? I don't know how you wouldn't. It'd be great if Vanderbilt could beat him again, but you're not going to sneak up on Kentucky two years in a row, not to mention uh, Mike is with us now. We don't use him enough, but he's with us. Uh, Ole Miss and Alabama, this line is much bigger than I thought. Alabama favored by 11 and 11-plus at home against Ole Miss. And and I'll be honest with you, I don't know what the odds makers see in this ballgame with Alabama's quarterback issues. And, yes, I know that Ole Miss has had some injuries, but – a double-digit spread seems like a lot to me. That's a lot, for sure. Uh, scrolling down a little bit deeper here is, uh, and again, a lot of conference game. No, no line established yet for Texas, San Antonio, and Tennessee, but you know it's going to be Tennessee. And uh, you got to think Josh Hype, one of those guys, got to figure some things out. I mean, you struggle with Austin P, and then uh, you, you get embarrassed. Florida, Charlotte, no line yet available for that one. LSU and Arkansas. LSU favored by 16 over Arkansas. With Arkansas's offensive struggles, and even if Rockets back, you gotta like LSU. And I said, it's, people call me crazy. It's just Steve, you're just saying that to prop us up. Not true. I think LSU wins the West, and probably wins it by two games when it's all said and done. I think after seeing those guys play and what everybody else has around the West, who could you say right now, in all honesty, is going to be two games better than, than LSU or a game better than LSU? You know, I think if we're if we're honest and take our maroon glasses off for a second, you know, Ole Miss is a team that's going to be interesting this year. But I don't I don't think the way LSU runs football that um, Ole Miss is going to win that game. You know, it, it's just one of those things. Missouri and Memphis, no line established yet in that one. Same thing for UAB and Georgia. Uh, we haven't heard yet on the Mississippi State South Carolina line. I'm just sure that I'll be out in the morning. I suspect that you'll pick South Carolina as a slight favorite. And, uh, you know, Vegas knows a lot more about this stuff than we do. But I think it's going to be one of those deals where you, know, you don't look at the fact that South Carolina is one and two. You look at the fact that they uh, lost to two top 25 teams and probably, you know, UNC's probably in a top 20 uh, now. So you look at all this and you say, you know what, South Carolina has played better competition even in their losses so I think South Carolina probably favored three, three and a half. It'll probably come down over the course of the week. I, I, that's what I believe. And again, I think you know how how much value do you place on a loss to LSU? But the way that we played, I don't know if that's going to inspire confidence with anybody. Certainly not uh, bookmakers. Just my personal opinion. But I do think that'll be a, a pretty tight line, and I do think State has a chance to go win the ball game. And I know we are hurting and stinging and smarting and cursing right now. But I do think State still has a good chance to go win this ballgame. I do. And I'm eager to see what the injury report is going to be uh, out of South Carolina uh, this week. All right, final segment of the show. I mentioned this, guys, last week. Uh, listen, have you always wanted to be like neighbors with Mississippi State? You can be. You can be. It's a huge auction coming up for some amazing land. I had a chance to go tour it. Before we made this deal, I went and looked and rode around. And I tell you, 
If I was moving to Starkville now and I was looking to build a home, there'd be no question. I mean, to be five minutes away from Duty Noble and Davis Wade Stadium, you could tailgate at the house, man. It'd be amazing. And there's a part of this property that adjoins the North Farm there at Mississippi State. You, know, you always talk about you want to have good neighbors. Well, what you couldn't have a better neighbor than Mississippi State, not to mention how scenic it all would be out there. You already got sewer, water, and electricity established. How cool is that? It's amazing. There's five lakes on this property. You have 5,000 linear feet of water frontage, 3,000 linear feet on Sand Creek. It's pretty amazing. Uh, had the first showing this past weekend. Today, as a matter of fact, on Sunday. Going to get a chance to do that again, guys, October the 1st. That's the Sunday after the Alabama game from 10 to 2. Very easy to find, right? Just put it in your GPS to Sterling Drive, and uh, you're going to go to the Stark Vegas Clubhouse, and then just going to have the uh, – just up the street there. You're going to have the pool house and check all that stuff out there. A lot of good stuff out there. And uh, here's the deal, man. They have uh, split this up into five different tracks. And so if you're looking maybe to get into some investment property, maybe you'll say, you know what, Steve, I've always wanted to have some apartments. Maybe that's what you want to do. You're going to have the ability to do that. You said, you know what, Steve, I want to be out in the sticks. I want to have a chance to just be close to Mississippi State, but I don't want to live in the city. You can do that. And this is all in the county, so it's not, there's no zoning out there. It's just a great place for you to make a home or make it your ballgame weekend retreat Whatever you'd like, go check it out today. It's going to be sponsored by International Auction. This auction is going to take place Thursday, October the 12th. Thursday, October 12th. It's going to be 156-plus acres uh, divided into five tracts of land. And I'm encouraging you now, go see it for yourself. You're going to be amazed. It's like this little hidden gem out there. It's like, okay, well, Steve, it's 182. I'm going to campus, and you don't realize how rural some of the property is. They got a Cypress Lake out there, man. It's incredible. It's going to be a better deposit, 25000 if you want to buy the whole lot, but 10000 per track. And, of course, all unsuccessful bidders have that deposit returned to them. But you got to bid. You got to make a deposit to bid. So be and check it out. And, again, that's International Auction. Visit them at www.internationalauctionllc.com or Dial 1-888-861-0999 for more information. And again, I've, I have personally viewed this property absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And again, to be that close to Mississippi State, what could be better? And then tucked away at having some privacy. Amazing. Okay, we had a chance to uh, have another, uh, we had a baseball scrimmage on Friday, had a baseball scrimmage on Sunday. Very offensive on Friday. And the first thing everybody says, well, if we're hitting good, we must be pitching bad. Yeah, I, I didn't think we pitched it poorly, but we gave up some hits, man. And uh, freshman Steven Spalletta now leads Mississippi State in home runs in the fall with three. Guys, and I hate to say it this way, but he's kind of a throw-in at the end of the class. We needed a high school catcher. We had two hit the portal, and then Spalletta – uh, was signed with Tulane. Not just committed, he signed. And all of a sudden, some things happened. They didn't come through with all the scholarship money they were talking about. And so, and you're going to need that at Tulane. And so, he ends up here at Mississippi State. He was looking for a place. His coach knew our staff, reaches out. We get him in on a visit. He commits. And now he's leading us in home runs in the fall. Now, not quite there defensively. And no high school catchers are. I say this every single year because everybody's like, hey, Steve, you know, this guy's going to be great. You know, Dustin Skelton was going to be great, and he was. 
in time. As a freshman, a little trouble blocking up that breaking ball. Ross Highfield going to be a, a future pro ball player. Last year, early part of the year, Ross had trouble keeping that breaking ball in front of him. And I don't care what travel team you play for. I don't care how much time that you spend at the training facility. Until you've had to block up an SEC breaking ball in the dirt with the winning run on third, you don't know what you, you, know what you got. And so Spoletta will be there. The good thing is, is he's got, you know, three guys ahead of him. And Johnny Long is hitting the baseball pretty well, too. You know, this, he just isn't going to be a bullpen catcher. This is a guy that's going to be able to play for us a little bit. Had a couple of big hits today. Or this weekend, excuse me. And then Ross, of course, you know, Ross is, is the dude. And then Jackson Owen comes in from Northeast. And uh, so I like the, the depth of that catching group. But there's Spalletta out there. Again, a guy that we didn't expect to hear anything from this fall. Kind of leading the charge. That's impressive. Now, we had uh, some pitching today, too. We, we pitched a lot of guys, and uh, when it was all said and done, it was a 7-1 ball game. And uh, it was tight for a while. I mean, it really was. And you got to think, too, there's so many of these, um, you know, guys that need work. You know, and so this is when they get it. You know, this is when you have the opportunity to put those guys out there. In a game, it doesn't matter. It matters to the kids, obviously. Uh, but it doesn't matter – in the standings, uh, Brooks Auger started, and I-, I thought he was really good. Last week, he was a little bit up and down. Much better this week. Really, really good. Uh, one, two, three, and then in the first. And then um, I, I want to say he got maybe a guy on in the second. But nevertheless, um, yeah, it was it was good. It was good. Three up, three down. Yeah, I'm looking at the numbers now. Uh, and so the opposite pitcher was Nolan Stevens. He's a guy we like a lot, too. We think he's going to be a guy, too. And uh, had some issues, but I thought he was good. I thought he commanded the game pretty well. Uh, but, you know, we hit the ball around on Friday. We had some big hits today, but it took a while for the offense to kind of get going. And I think a lot of that's the quality of pitching. And, um, you know, on Friday we did see uh, Kel Steven pitch. I thought he was good. Uh, the guy that I continue to hear the most about, just talking to Mississippi State baseball insiders, and I fashion myself as one of those, but the people that I talked to, they said the guy to really look out for is Jackson McKenzie. Really watch Jackson McKenzie. Maybe a left-handed DH. Spoletta may be, you know. Uh, but Jackson McKenzie, this is a guy that can play left field. This is a guy that can pitch for us a little bit. Uh, really like his makeup. He's a guy to pace Florida. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, he went to the same high school as uh, as Jeb Butler. Yeah, how about that? Dylan Cobb continues to do some really good things. Guys, I'm just going to tell you, it's, uh, when you see him on the field, he's not going to look like a freshman. And he's hit in fall. That was the thing everybody told us is, you know, hey, the bat's a little bit behind the defense. And that may be the case his whole career because he is an elite defender. And everything out there just kind of happens so smoothly for him. You know, there's some guys you look at, there's kind of silky smooth. And, and I hate to do these comparisons at all Miss players. I had a Major League Baseball scout tell me when I first asked about Dylan Cup. I said, tell me about this kid. He said, do you like Jacob Gonzalez? I said, I love Jacob Gonzalez. He said, he's that kind of, he's that kind of player. Now, he's not as long as Gonzalez, but as far as like making things look easy that are really not, to making the, the difficult play look routine – Dylan Cobb does that. 
the kid's really, really good. And uh, I really thought this weekend, infield-wise, we played it really well. Last weekend, we kind of booted around a little bit on Friday. It was better on Sunday. I think both games, Friday and Saturday, were really good today. There was one ball that kind of snuck back toward the middle that Cup got a glove on. They rolled it a hit. There may be some people that ruled it an error, but most shortstops are going to get there and make that play. Uh, second baseman, Ethan Pulliam, he, I say second baseman, the way he's swinging the bat, you just got to find a place to put him. Now, you've got plenty of options in the middle infield, and Pulliam's not going to play a lot this year. He played soccer with my kid Ian our first year back in 14 when we moved to Starkville. We've known this guy and his family for years, and everybody told me he was going to be a baseball star. Little did we know when we're winning a city championship with the Synergetics that Ethan Pulliam was going to end up uh, you know, being a, a diamond dog. Really impressed with him. He's another guy, too. The game doesn't seem to speed him up. They worked him a lot today at second with Cup at short. So that's a tandem there, kind of cutting their college teeth together. And, again, Ethan's putting the ball in play. Uh, Gage Haley's a guy that pitched him this weekend. And uh, or maybe that was last week. I, I apologize for that. All these names run together after a while. Uh, Jace Norton, a shortstop out of Auburn, Alabama. We've run him some at third. He's wearing 24, so when you see him, don't think all of a sudden Slate Offord has, has come back or been reincarnated. Uh, but, yeah, very solid defender. And that's the thing, too. Again, you know, there's, no, there's not 10,000 people out there yelling, but we're making plays on the left side of the infield we weren't making last year. A lot of juice around Nolan Stevens, too. Uh, this is a guy, big, strapping left-hander, can pitch, hit a home run last weekend, pitched some today, did have some walks today. But it's one of the things you begin to think about, you know, if when you can trot three left-handers out of your bullpen, you got something. We may be able to do that with four or five kids. We've got some guys that are throwing really well from the left side. And, again, you have the big offensive show in on Friday, and you begin to realize a lot of that wasn't just because of walks, because of the fact that we put the ball in play. Uh, so I like kind of the direction we're moving here. Makai Grant again pitched today. The kid's electric. The fact that he came to school is a big, big deal. And uh, if memory serves me correct, his dad, Michael, fought against Lennox Lewis for the uh, heavyweight belt. How about that? The guy, the pitcher today, that probably impressed me the most, right-handed pitcher Alex Walsh from Alexandria, Louisiana. And it's very rare that we go over there across the uh, state lines and get a kid out of Louisiana uh, that can really measure up. Alex Walsh today. Look like a guy that's going to help us. Really, really good with the breaking ball. Can spot it up, throwing three pitches for strikes, getting under barrels. Really like him. Uh, a guy that I think is going to be interesting, a bigger guy that he kind of reminds me a little bit of Riley Cooper. Not as big as Riley Cooper, but kind of deceptive with his motion is Riley Byers, left-handed pitcher from Gibbs, Tennessee, this guy has a changeup that right out of the hand, you know that it's going to be a swing and miss. Right? I mean, it's like you say, oh, he's tipping the pitch. No, he's not. He throws it through the same arm slot with the same speed, but he does such a great job executing his pitch. It looks like a fastball until release. You know, so all his body language is really good. And, again, could be a good matchup guy for us. Uh, we did get to see Cam Schulke pitch on Friday. A little bit wild. And it's kind of interesting to see him in person. I mean, it's ridiculous the way this all kind of comes together for him. It's really, really interesting. Really, really, really interesting. 
It's just one of those things you look at and you think, okay, well, how, how did this really happen like this? He is going to be able to help us out of the bullpen. Michael O'Brien's the guy that was kind of unheralded coming up, and this is a guy that is consistently out there making plays. Had the golden uh, jersey uh, last week, and they award defenders for that. Ross Highfield had it today. But it kind of moves around based on who's had uh, you know, the better scrimmages defensively. Michael O'Brien had it uh, as we opened the scrimmages back in the fall. And Luke Dotson, of course, a guy that we talked about, uh, we expect him to do some big things for us, too. He pitched day two, a little bit kind of hit or miss, if, if memory serves me correct. Will Passo, right-handed pitcher from Pearl River. That, that Will Passo name, you know it, right? Passo, that's a bulldog, right? This kid's going to be able to help us. And, uh, you know, two good outings now. He can really keep people off the fastball and that change up. And so the reason, one of the reasons I talk so much about, like, these pitchers is because of the fact that's been our big concern is pitching. And we knew that we were addressing it by going out and grabbing a bunch of guys. Now, I hadn't seen Carson Ligon pitch yet. I don't know what the situation is there. Now, we haven't seen Evan Sierra pitch yet. I hadn't seen Colby Holcomb pitch yet. Uh, and I think part of that, too, is uh, you just got to make sure you got your guys good to go. Sierra had a big summer. So I'm eager to see what he looks like. We hadn't seen Brock Tapper pitch. Um, and so there may be some guys that are being careful with in the fall, right? I don't know this officially. I'm just kind of telling you. I thought we'd see Colby Holcomb and those guys by now. They're in uniform. I mean, they're there. But, um, you know, guys are always kind of working through some things this time of year. Uh, but, again, I thought it was a good weekend. I thought it was a better weekend this weekend than last weekend. And uh, final score today, I guess, was 7-1. to one. And the team that had a couple of walks is the team that got beat, you know. And say, Steve, walks walks are part of baseball. But I just tell you, we're not throwing them with the same frequency we were last year. Today was an eight-inning game. So you have 16 innings of pitching. You're going to have some walks. Right when you got to cover 16 innings, but I, I I like our club offensively, and uh, Dakota and Hunter are doing pretty well. Uh, it's so crazy too. You know, David Marshani had a home run today, did something I, I've never seen happen before at Duty Noble Field. He hits one down the line and right, and DJ settles under it like he's going to go up and, and catch it, and it's just a little bit too high, and it bounces off the bricks in the Atkerson Plaza, and then ricochets over the fence. And I think everybody on both teams was pretty jazzed up about that. So, uh, Mershon is beating Dave Mershon. I like him in the lineup. I think you've got to find a way to keep him lead off because the kid can run, he can bunt, he can hit. Uh, I need that kid in the lineup. And uh, that's the thing, too. You start working through all this, you know, when you've got Cup playing elite defense, you've got Amani Larry back. Amani with a big heads-up play today. He's still second against the shift, and we don't get in cover over there, and he takes third. Kind of, that kind of led to a bigger inning. And so, Amani's back, so it gives you some options. But uh, it's a good problem to have. You know, we got more sticks and we got more players than we got positions. But we got some depth on this team. But, again, I'm encouraged at this point, and there's only so much you can tell from fall baseball, right? There's a lot of fall baseball heroes. But I can tell you, we're not walking people with the same frequency we were last year. We're not. And the good thing is, is we have more options, more healthy options. Uh, you know, Stone has pitched well. Brooks uh, Brooks is going to be big for us. I mean, he really is. And, again, I thought he was okay last weekend. He was much, much better today. Much, much better. And those kids, too, that have lost it all and come back, uh, those guys a lot of times have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder if they have something to prove, right? And Brooks is a guy that was getting calls from Major League Baseball teams even though he didn't even play last year. And so getting him back to good health is a great thing. So uh, that's your baseball uh you know, again, brought to you by you know, a lot of people that are trying to do a good job to get you in Starkville to make you their neighbors. 
uh, at internationalauctionllc.com. All right, if you hadn't done so, go to, to whenthebottomfalls.com. That's whenthebottomfalls.com, and you can pre-order my newest book, When the Bottom Falls. Uh, book, book proofs have been signed off on, pictures have been captioned, everything's been done. Uh, everything's been typeset. We're just waiting on the delivery date from the printer now. And it takes a few weeks for it to get done, so we'll you know, be next month. Barring something unforeseen, we'll update you as we go. Uh, but the reality of it is, again, there it is, drink. You got a new book coming. And uh, just in time for the holidays. And uh, again, if you're a person that's in recovery or a person that needs to be in recovery or you know somebody that does or that has some experience in recovery, this is a great book for you. You can also find all of my sports books there at whenthebottomfalls.com. So if you need to complete your collection, you can do it at the same link. You don't have to go chase all this stuff around. Uh, matter of fact, I, I got noticed the other day I got somebody that bought every book, every book available. And so we got to get all those signed for you. And so we'll set some time aside once they're in and, and uh, we'll head out there. And for those of you that pre-ordered, and I don't know what it means to you, but, you know, Dana wrote the foreword to the book, and she's been around for most of this journey. And so maybe we can talk her into signing the pre-orders too. Maybe we can do that. We'll see. We'll see. So you get two signatures for free. It's a very important book to me and my family, and so I appreciate that. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. And as always, come be a part of our merry band of maroon misfits over at jeanspage.com. Nobody covered Mississippi State like we do in the known universe or in the history of this university. And that will always remain the case as long as I'm around. That's jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.